Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In the Money Players podcast. This is our show for Arlington Million Day at Colonial Downs. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the little house on the east side, and I'm even wearing a hat that proves that, and very pleased to be talking to two people I always want to talk to when it comes to Virginia racing. First off, we haven't gotten to see her on the Colonial feed this year because we've been too busy listening to her at parks. She's a regular on the network and an industry veteran whose opinions include giving out a caravel on the network for last year's Breeders' Cup. She's Jessica Paquette. Jessica, what's going on? Everything's great. I was down at Colonial yesterday. I got to escape for a couple of days, visit one of my favorite racetracks in the world, and it didn't disappoint. It was great to see the Virginia horsemen and women and everyone down at Colonial. I miss them very much. They're all doing a great job without me, but I do miss them. (laughs) And we'll also bring in a man who's been covering Colonial in uh, fantastic terms on our airwaves, also over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. Been doing all writing contests, too. Noticed he punched a ticket for the horse player happy hour playoffs yesterday with a second-place finish in that game. Michael Domable, what's going on? How's it going, Pete? Uh, yeah, excited for this weekend of racing. It's 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 bittersweet to some extent of why the Arlington Million is is at Colonial, but um, it's it's the track that personally I'm happy that it, it landed at, and I think it'll find a nice home here moving forward. I know you each have a thought on an earlier race before we get into this late pick five with the stakes action and the twelve percent takeout. Jessica, let's start with you with an early thought on this Arlington Million Day card. Okay, so let's build the bankroll a little bit, and that's right in the first race. There's a horse at a big price that I am always excited to see at Colonial Downs, and that's the two-hour strong vows. Now, Karen Godsey might not be the kind of household name to horse players who don't follow Virginia racing very closely, but her Eagle Point Farm is where a lot of horses go to get Virginia certified. Also, they go for layups. She is just a tremendous horsewoman, multi-generational. Her mom's often at the races with her, and Mama Godsey. Amazing. Just the perfect Southern lady. And they both fox hunt kind of throughout the winter. So our strong vows, enough about um, the fact that I'm the captain of Karen Godsey's fan club. Our strong vows has a lot of real upside here coming in second off the bench. She ran pretty well last time out. Wasn't badly beaten. Needs to do better. But I think it was a really encouraging effort off of the layoff. And this is a mare that to me always carried a fair bit of conditioning and a fair bit of flesh on her. So she does need a race or two to really get fit. She likes this turf course. I chased her all year at Colonial last year, waiting for that big win. So maybe she'll give it to me today. I like the point. When you have a shrewd uh, horse person on a big day, there's a lot of things add up. I feel like this is a movie I've seen before in other uh, jurisdictions, and I think I'll be following you in. Michael, how about you? What do you have for us early on the card? Yeah, I'll go one one race later, uh, the second race on the day. Um, The number four beyond Oscar, I think, is going to be a pretty likely winner. I don't know if we're going to get the five to one morning line. I think there'll be some steam behind this one, but anything above, I think five to two would be fair on her. Um, this is actually a half sister to champion uh, bricks and mortar um, and looks like privately purchased from Augustine stable after her debut, which she was well-meant bet down to one to two or three to two at uh, at horseshoe Indianapolis. And I don't think that um, the Augustine stable would have uh, parted with a half sister to uh, to bricks and mortar for a for a small price. So I think Gary Barber definitely broke out the checkbook for 
for this filly. Um, so I think that th- she's she, she just ran so well um, closing in uh, on on debut, and I think uh, she's a likely winner uh, in the second. Let's zip ahead, team, to race number seven, where we've got $100,000 in the pot going seven furlongs on the dirt. Short field to get us started here, and it looks like favoritism is going to be between Bouncer and Frosted Departure. Jess, are you thinking we lock it up with those two? Can we split the pair? Can we reach for something at more of a price? I think Bouncer is sort of a single for me here coming in off of that last win at Belmont. Just makes a lot of sense for Mark Cassie. I do think if you're trying to be clever and watch the board a little bit, right? I'm a little intrigued by Top Recruit kind of as a B selection here if I am being bold and not using this or the one horse as my anchor, my single here. Top Recruit, Caramanos, a master of the Colonial Turf course. He and Mike Maker have had quite a bit of success, and I know this one's recent form really isn't so good. But top, but Caramanos again. He's the leading rider. He's like the all-time leading rider at Colonial for a reason. Both main track turf, he can do it all. And top recruit has some backlash. I'm a little intrigued by him, but probably just going to go with Bouncer as a single. All right, Michael, how about you? Where do you stand in this one? Yeah, I think it's tough to separate a Frosted Departure and Bouncer, but I, I, I prefer Frosted Departure in this spot. Um, I, I think it's pretty uh, safe to say that he doesn't necessarily love a, a wet track and that's what he's gotten a couple times uh this year including his last out race where he ran okay if you think about the fact that that pace completely held together um two back he had trouble after uh the unfortunate incident with having a meltdown in the chick lang but if you go back to his his race in the pat day mile that was that was pretty solid and i think i think seven furlongs is actually going to be his best distance now, I wouldn't outright single him with no backups just because I have a little bit of scar tissue from seeing a, a Kenny McPeak horse lose at 1-5 to five last year that looked like uh, he couldn't lose on paper um, on Virginia Derby Day. But um, I think Frosted Departure is the way to go um, on the win end. And, and I actually, if I was going to have a distant backup, you know, we, we were hoping to see up to the mark come to uh, colonial but he hasn't worked since the manhattan so unfortunately he wouldn't be playing in the arlington million but instead we get to see on the mark the number five in this spot um i'm not super familiar with this barn but the numbers have been pretty solid and i would look to to him as a backup versus uh versus top recruit 30 to one on the morning line that one could spice up your vertical so we're a little bit oppo there as we start off this late pick five Let's move on to the graded stakes action in the form of the grade two secretariat. We're going a mile on the turf for these three-year-olds. Some very familiar names uh, turning up in this spot, including uh, Silver Knot and Nagarok, who scratched out of a race at Saratoga last week to to turn up here. Curious to see where uh, Cross entered more than looks ends up going entered today at Saratoga. I still haven't seen the scratches yet. That's known info. So I can dig on that if, if you guys don't have that info off the top of your head. But uh, Jessica, we're going to pull you back in to ask the key question. Who wins the Secretariat? So this is an interesting race. Uh, Northern Invader, probably my top selection. At the end of the day, there's still no one I would rather have on the turf than John Velasquez. And I think this one has a ton of upside as he's continuing to develop into his career. This is a bold move going right into a major stakes race after a maiden win, but boy, was he impressive last time out at Belmont. A lot to like about him, but I, he's not the only option here. Nagarok has proven time and time again that he is a true graded stakes kind of horse. I loved him 
in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And I think he's made that progression from two to three, likely to continue to get even better as he develops a little bit further. Then is a big price, also using in my ticket, is number two, Gigante. Now, I am wrong a lot. I was so wrong about this horse. In his debut at Colonial, in his next start at Colonial, I did not think he was much at all. To me, there was nothing that physically impressive about him. I just thought he looked a little bit average. And I remember after he won the Kitten's Joy, feeling very, very stupid. He won that like a really good thing. I mean, there's nothing that will prove you wrong. They'll make you feel dumber in like less than two minutes than a racehorse. And <laughs> we that needs to be on a t-shirt. That's, that should. Uh, let's let's make it happen. You know, horse racing, keeping you humble since the beginning of time. <laughs> but I, you know, I did not forget kind of what a liar he made out of me in that race. And I know his recent form, um, you know, certainly has been a little bit inconsistent. I think he's kind of trying to find his way. Decent third kind of in that first race at Colonial back this year. I know the Ask Me Some Barn has not found the winner's circle so far this season at Colonial, but they will. It's just a matter of time. I know Steve's assistant, Caden, does a really good job down there. So this one at 15 to one, will not overlook him. You know, fool me once. You will not fool me again. <laughs> I don't mind this pick, you know, definitely against the flow of things last time. And this is a race where there's potentially a, a lot of pace uh, signed on with the likes of Nagarok and Mostache and Northern Invader might just set up for one to come from off the pace. Now, more than looks is not listed in the scratches today at Saratoga. So I think we can take a, uh, a, a pretty good guess that he's not going to be competing if that affects your reckoning of things in here at all. Michael, who do you like? Yeah, I think it's all the one and the five for me as well in this spot. Um, Jessica made a nice case for Northern Invader. I also would note that he didn't get out of the gate great uh, in his in his maiden win either and still just dominated that field. And I trust Johnny V to work out a trip. He's probably stalking the other speeds in here. Um, but I think this race has Silver Knot's name written all over it. I, I really love the fact that he gets back to a mile here. I think a mile and a quarter and even the mile and an eighth in the Penine Ridge was, was pushing him to his limit a little bit. He, he ranged up like he was about to, to go on with it in the Belmont Derby and then just completely flattened out. So I think this cutback is going to really suit him and he's going to get pace, pace to run in front of him. He reminds me a lot of, of, of a horse I had some success with last year named Haughty, who ran for Chad Brown, ran in kind of all the wrong spots before cutting, cutting back. I think this is going to really work for Silver Knot and, um, based on all the hype he had going into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf last year, when he pays $8 in, in this spot, it's going to look like a steal. Um, and I don't think Jamie Spencer came all the way over here uh, to ride uh, Mise en Seine in the Beverly D. I think he came over to ride this horse, and, and I think he's really well meant to get the win. Spencer in the irons does signal tactics too. I think that pretty much tells us we're going to get that hold up ride that you were speculating might be the right one in this spot, despite the fact that uh, this horse did show some speed last time in the, in the Belmont Derby. Are you anti silver knot Jessica? Or you just think there's going to be more value elsewhere? I think there are horses I just find much more interesting elsewhere, to be honest. This is a really, really good, very competitive field. I think at a certain point you, you have to take a stand somewhere. Let's move on to the Beverly D grade one action for the Phillies and mares going a mile and a three sixteenth. This goes as race nine, five fifty five Eastern. And uh, when I was talking about this one on horse player happy hour with Drew Cotney, we sort of had it down to a match between Fev Rover, which is where he ended up landing and Didia, which is where I ultimately decided to land. 
It's Michael. not a match. It's a coronation PTF. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to change it around then. We're going to go to you first. Who's going to be wearing the crown after the Beverly Dig? Diddy is going to win the Breeders' Cup Philly and Bear Turf. He's the best turf horse in the country um, of either gender. I am dying on this hill. I believed this last year after her first start at Colonial. And for as much as, you know, a horse will prove you wrong, like Gigante, boy, do I like when one proves me right. I love it. I, I mean, those are some bold words. Now I'm wishing we'd done this as a video just to send that clip around. But hey, it, <laughs> it, uh, it's too, we can do an audio clip too. We'll see if somebody can help us with that. Um, not, not, I mean, that's that's just great stuff. I, I, I love the confidence. This is how I landed. Michael, can we make it a chorus? You know, I I, I have a soft spot as well for Didia just because of the her, the fact that she came over and her first two starts in America were at we're at my home track of Colonial Downs, but um, I, I think she's more likely to win than Fev Rover. Um, but I do have a concern with the pace situation. So one of the reasons that that Didia looks really good on paper is because of the fact that she closed into that paceless race in the New York last time out. That was that when market segmentation walked on the lead. Um, I'm worried that. Gina Romantica might play the role of market segmentation in this spot. Um, Rocky Sky, the number seven, looks like she was cross-centered in a race at Saratoga today. She also hasn't scratched out, so that means that Chad's likely to only go with Gina Romantica here. And he has a, a penchant of switching up horses' running styles in races where there's not much pace on paper. And I think that Flavian Pratt's going to send Gina Romantica to the lead and, and back down the pace. Um, I think Diddy is going to make her run. I think she's going to come come after her, and but I do think it's just going to be a little bit, um, little bit too little too late. And Gina Romantica is going to hold on. Six five cold exacta for you here in this spot. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it would be it would be six five cold, and then probably use them um, in equal weight in the pick five um, with uh, the extra equity coming from from Gina Romantica being a little bit higher of price. No love at all for Fevrover, which is which is interesting. I thought she might be able to get a good trip, you know, just sitting off that pace potentially. Again, ultimately, I sided with Didia. But Jessica, you have any uh, particular particular knock on Fevrover? Are you just blinded by your undying love for Didia? Blinded. I mean, honestly, and she's probably my favorite horse in the past decade. To be perfect, to be perfectly right? honest, it's funny how certain ones make you feel all the things. Yeah, and she just. I think she's magnificent. I think it was such a treat and such a special thing that we got to see her at Colonial kind of coming in off of that big layoff from Argentina. And you know, if you knew what you were looking at, you could see what she was going to be the moment she walked yeah. into the paddock. And she was so unfit that first race. And won anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and has come on and has come on many lengths since then. All right, let's pivot to the race that gives the day its name, the grade one Arlington million. We're going a mile and a quarter. Uh, we didn't get everybody show up here who we thought might show up, but we do have a, a pretty strong group all in all, I would have to say, even if it lacks the international, uh, full-on international partici uh, participation of some past years. Jessica, who's going to win the big one? This is such an interesting race. I really like Catnip, uh, number eight for Michael Stinham. I was actually chatting with him about him yesterday. And this one was a horse I really liked going into the Virginia Derby. As a handicapper, I do sometimes get sucked into the notion that they owe me one. And he was a bit of a disappointment. And we've all done that, right? You chase the horse a little bit because they owe you one. And I had a you know big opinion on Catnip that day. And he kind of just, just fell a little bit short. 
but he's one who I do think is getting better and better. His last race in the United Nations was very good. You know, second is the favorite by that big long shot winner. And Catnip coming in right, lightly raced. I like him quite a bit. I'm also using Never Explain for Suge. Kind of, I liked his effort last time out. Who doesn't like Channel Maker, right? And set piece right to his outside for Brad Cox. Never explain a great horse name and 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 one Jess. I think you can probably you could probably you know you take that you take that advice to heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> ask forgive. Ask forgiveness, not permission. Right. <laughs> Michael, who wins the million? Yeah, I think this is a, a, a. It might not be the the top top tier grade one that we've come to expect from the Arlington Million, but it's a very very competitive race. I think nine of them are in here with a chance outside of the one in the ten. I don't. I can't really see them, but. I'm honing in on the on the two, seven, eight, and nine as my as my main plays. Um, I I agree. Catnip's pretty logical. I don't think he'll be anything near the eight to one morning line. I think he he might actually go off go off favored. Um, the common race between Catnip and Never Explain. I thought Never Explain might have ran the better race just because he moved into that hot pace, and then Catnip got to make the last move. Um, this is an interesting, interesting situation with Never Explain because it's on one hand it's classic Suge, and on the other hand it's not. It's classic Suge because he's just been improving with every start, um, in, including the Bowling Green where he ran really well with a with a tough trip uh, wide throughout. But it's not really classic Suge because he's coming back on 13 days, and that's not a move that he does very often. And the other thing is he's supplemented to this race, which is which is a, which is a pretty penny in and of itself. So that shows a lot of confidence from the barn. He has pretty good numbers coming back on short rest on the turf with his overall starters. Not necessarily has ever done it in the graded stakes ranks, but never explained is super logical for me. Ultimately, I, I ended up putting the number seven strong quality on top. I think he can wire the field. I I I know the time form US pace projector has has a predicting a fast pace, but if you kind of peel apart the horses that are right behind him on that list. A tone doesn't necessarily feel like a speedball. Win for the money is another Cassie runner. I don't see those two dueling each other. Santine likes to stalk on the outside, and Catnip comes from further back as well. So I do think Strong Quality is going to get to the front. If you watched his Manhattan, there was a Mike Maker horse that came up on the outside named Ocean Atlantique that pressed him to to go a little bit too fast. Um, But he was still holding on pretty well, going the mile and a quarter against top-tier grade one company. So I think if he can slow it down a little bit more and, and kind of use that stamina he showed in the past, I think he can probably wire this field. So it's, it's a spread race for me, but I'm going to hone in on the one that I think might be the biggest price of the four. I like these never explained cases. I'm a big catnip fan. I get the pace case on strong quality. One other that I want to mention who should be a big, big price and I feel like could lead to um, gnashing of teeth afterwards from people um, if wins at a big price. What about Masterpiece in here? This is a horse who's been chronically disappointing, I would have to say, given how incredibly hyped he was earlier in his career, now age seven. But seeing the the, the Dutro get involved um, and seeing the against the flow in the yielding turf at Belmont last time, 
now coming on coming down here in a race that may or may not see pace battle up front. But I, you know, I could also just see strong quality going too fast with those tactics and the setting up for one from off the pace. I'm just going to throw in masterpiece as one who can maybe get a piece underneath some of these logicals and who I wouldn't hate using for, for a little bit on top. I think we can get a price in here and I'm excited to see how it plays out in this, in this grade one Arlington million. Are either of you seeing the set piece case? If you squint or am I, am I crazy? I think masterpiece is, is, I think the the white abario factor of it it looks so similar to what happened with white abario second off of a trainer change to Safi Joseph and this one this one's also gray so you got that that factor in there as well um yeah this masterpiece scares me uh, ultimately I couldn't get there because I'm not I haven't been his biggest fan going back um to his races in the past but um if 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 Dutro can have that move forward like he had for white abario then the rest of this field is in trouble. This limb I'm out here, Jess, can, is it going to break or do I have a chance to stand up on it? I mean, it's been a weird year. <laughs> to say the least. It's been, it's been a weird year. So you can, I mean, you hang on to your branch the best you can. I'm, <laughs> I am going to stay off of that one. If I'm throwing one more horse on my ticket, it's going to be Santon to the outside. Uh, I like him back on the turf. I know his form's been quite disappointing, but what a neat thing to win the Arlington Million at another place, yep. which is just kind of a, kind of a, what a, it's just a fun, fun thing. But in Brendan Walsh, I trust this is, he wouldn't send him. I think if he wasn't, you know, pointing towards this race, ready for this race, he's not a trainer that, you know, I, to my knowledge has a string at colonial. So he is making the trip. No, I think it makes sense. I, I'm, I'm ex- much more excited about this race after talking about it than I, than I was before. One more to talk about. We've got Phillies and mares allowance ranks a mile and a 16th on the turf. When it comes to this late pick five at Colonial on Saturday, Michael, how are we going to get paid? I think we're going to have to hone in here on on some longer price shot uh, horses because I don't necessarily love anyone who's who's too short on the morning line. I I don't think the number ten this name is okay is going to end up going off your morning line favorite. I think he's going to float up off that, but I don't need him at any kind of short price. The number nine Tecolera is starting to get a reputation for. For spinning the bit down the lane i know she's been in some fast paces but the horse that has pushed her pushed her to those fast paces is also in here right to her outside um if i was going to lean on one of the horses that's a shorter price on the morning line it would be the number eight galilee who ran really well to close down a race that had no pace last time out at colonial um and and trombetta and caramanos are are connections that you can trust here um but i have two kind of goofy horses that I'm going to be using as A's hoping to get get alive to them and have some some big payouts in the will pays uh the number one cha-cha mission switches to the Brittany Russell barn for the first time and if if you kind of look back at her 2022 she was starting to get good right at the end of it before um taking a break and then really didn't come back with uh with much alacrity in in her first few starts at Sam Houston but um she's been with the Brittany Russell barn it looks like for a little bit now and 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 she's got good numbers first first off of a trainer switch on the turf. So if she can get back to some of those races at, from the end of last year, she's dangerous. But I made my top pick, the number three, up to something. Uh, Vicky Oliver has ha, has had this um, has had has done this before with a really well bred horse um, at Colonial Downs. Uh, she won the Virginia Oaks a couple of years ago with Flippant. Um, I think this this filly got 
the prep that she needed last time out. A five and a half furlong sprint is not what she's really going to be meant to do. Um, and I think just moving forward, second off the layoff, um, she's got some pretty powerful breeding as well. Um, can be enough for her to to take the step up against some of the shorter prices who I'm not too, too enthralled with. All right. Some interesting prices there for sure to try to close things out. Jessica, what do you think of our nightcap? I have kind of a very different take on Tecalera for Michael Matz. I This is a horse who I was blown away by her physicality last year as a three-year-old, but everything about her to me screamed that this was a horse that just needed to grow into herself. She's massive. I mean, kind of long-backed, long-legged, big shoulder, giant ears. Not that that makes her any faster, but she's one that has a stride that just eats up ground. So she can, when she gets a little comfortable on the lead, uh, she can really cover a lot of ground very effortlessly. She's one who I think she's very capable of stealing it on the front end. I think Carrasco back aboard is actually a really interesting thing for her. He's ridden her, I think, at one other time before second, I believe. But he's the kind of rider. I, I think he's a pretty smart rider, and they relax really well under him. He's not one that seems to light them up right away. And I think he'll be he'll fit her very well. I do like Galilee. That's a horse I give a ton of respect to. Saw her a couple of times last year. I think Caramanos fits her perfectly with her big closing kick from off the pace. To me, it boils down to those two. And then I'm going to put in Watch the Birdie, the four for Nacho Correas, coming in off of a win. Broke her maiden last time. My favorite angle is maiden first try against winners. Sometimes I think you catch a little bit of momentum when they have that light bulb moment, put all the pieces together. Yeah, and some people are so knee-jerk against it, too. That oh, it's it can- my, really? It's one of my strongest go-tos. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it in certain spots, but I'll hear, you know, when Michelle is on, she'll often say, eh, first time against winners. And and sometimes it, it, it can be a negative, but when they fit and when it's, when you sort of see that light bulb moment you're describing, I love it, especially in the more restricted ones where you've got a, a lot of horse, you know, when you've got yeah, a lot you can of- you tell I handicap cheap horses a lot because that's what I, it's, it's a go-to for me. Yeah, I, I I like it. I I think it I think it can work. It's one of those things where like so many questions in this game, and this frustrates people when they ask. Half the questions in racing I get asked. The the true answer is it depends. First time against winners, I think is a classic. It depends, but I think you're making a I think you're making a potent case for uh, for watch this birdie being one who maybe you know those first five races were, were prelude because that was a nice. It was an awfully well, nice effort last time. And that was her uh, first time going long on the turf. I mean, she I think she found her thing. Exactly, exactly. Unexposed. And that's an angle I always talk about when you see them doing something for the first time and that's their best number. They, But people expect regression and or the market can sometimes expect regression and very often they just keep getting better. Maybe that's what will happen with Watch This Birdie in this spot, a race where – I think you can sort of take the morning line. No offense to the the, the the line itself. It's just the kind of race where I feel like you can sort of throw it up in the air. It's a very tough race to know how they're going to bat. I like all of your guys' ideas, honestly, for uh, for horses to try to cover. If you can get skinny elsewhere in this pick five, I'm going to be largely following you guys in with, uh, with the tickets I construct for this and really appreciate both of your time and, uh, and insights on the show. Michael, you'll be there in person. Jessica, you are, you, did you, do you have to leave or are you sticking around? Oh, I'm already home. I have a big horse show next week, so I have to get the yellow horse ready to go. We're doing uh, our own kind of derby in the next, the next coming week. We're doing a jumper derby on Friday and a hunter derby on Sunday. So some Fantastic. big stuff that I have to get ready for. 
So you'll be watching on the phone, essentially. I will be screaming like a banshee for Didia wherever I am, yes. <laughs> I love it. Michael, will you be doing any tweeting from the track we can promote? Oh, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll try to take some pictures of, of Didia just for Jessica and send Thank them you. over her way. I appreciate um, that. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'm trying to get... Um, yeah, I'll try to send out as much as I can, as much content as I can from the track, um, depending on how the crowds are looking. But um, yeah, it should be an awesome day at Colonial Downs. I'm super excited that this festival has come to come come to the track, and uh, I hope I hope the betting public finds the product as as exciting as I think it's going to be. I and think I think if will. anyone has a chance to get out to the track and experience Colonial, you really should. It's to me everything good about racing. It. If, if you're not charmed by Colonial, you probably aren't really a racing fan. I loved it back in the day when uh, when Sean Clancy and I had had a horse or two turn up there. It's been oh, a minute. Oh, that must have been a wild time. <laughs> we had Are fun. Are you allowed back in Richmond? <laughs> I think the statute of limitations is over <laughs> and we're good to go. So, uh, Speaking of Twitter, give us both your handles, starting with you, Jessica. It's at JM Pocket. And for you, Michael, it's at M Dom Hokey. M Dom Hokey. That's right. We're, we're always, always got to remember that uh, the, the Virginia Tech connection there. All right, that's it. Jessica, thank you one more time. Michael, thank you. Frank Opf at uh, at Colonial, thank you for sponsoring this content. Really great to be working with you guys more than ever. We'll be back for more Virginia Derby content in a little bit. Until then. Check out everything Jess has going on. Read Michael's analysis of Colonial every racing day. For In The Money Media, I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos!